Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Improv Chronicle podcast. I'm Lloydie. kind of giant build up and then suddenly like oh no here we go again very gradually one or two improv venues are opening their doors again as some countries feel they've flattened the curve on the first wave of covid19 steps are being taken to open venues while still trying to keep people safe so what sort of journey are improv groups undergoing in order to perform again you're about to hear three stories one from florida usa one from Amsterdam in the Netherlands. But right now, we start in Beijing, China. My name is Jay Wong. Uh, I'm from New York originally, and I've been in Beijing for 10 years now. Uh, I'm currently the leader of Beijing Improv, uh, China's longest-running improv troupe. And since 2016, I have also been doing applied improvisation in China. So uh, corporate training and educational workshops, uh, things like that. How has your theatre coped during this pandemic? Uh, Not great, to be honest. Um, One of, I think one of the casualties of this whole episode has been uh, the massive loss of players. We had a lot of our players leave in February because uh, that coincided with Chinese New Year, uh, which is a public holiday here, here in China. Basically, once China got its act together, other countries were starting to kind of fall into the grip uh, of of the coronavirus. So China has since banned uh, incoming flights from from other countries, uh, especially foreign nationals. So uh, a lot of our players are basically stuck uh, abroad back home in in, in their home countries, not able to return back to, to Beijing. And it's a shame. Because, you know, they have jobs here, apartments here, basically whole lives here that, you know, can't be accessed at this time. And so we, we've been comparing it to, uh, I guess, the, the Thanos snap in, in the Avengers, like instantly, um, I guess more than half, two thirds of our troop have uh, just gone missing. So it's been it's been quite heartbreaking. And you were due to open back up. Um, I think you were going to be one of the first theatres to open back up just a few weeks ago in June, weren't you? Yes, exactly. Um, and and just as we were about to open back up, uh, a, a second wave of outbreaks hit Beijing. And so uh, the bar that we were working with shut down and, and you know numerous public venues across the city shut down. Um, and so we're still coping with the second wave. And hopefully, um, you know, due to pretty strict measures, I, I think we'll be able to come out of this uh, pretty soon. I mean, it, you, you were literally about four or five days out, weren't you, from actually opening when you were told that you couldn't? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was this, it was this kind of giant buildup. And then suddenly like, oh, no, here we go again. It's hard to imagine that much build-up ending with performances cancelled again. For now, let's leave Beijing and hop to Florida, where Will Luera, Director of Improvisation at Florida's Studio Theatre, explains what led them to look at reopening. We knew that something was happening June 1st. We knew that some sort of uh, phasing was going to happen. 
But we originally thought that it was just going to be a change to restaurants and bars. And luckily, our theater, as, as you might remember, has a restaurant in it. So all mm. we were going to do was going to be like, okay, if the capacity of the restaurant is 40 people, then three of those 40 people will be performers. And we'll do live improv on the side while the, uh, while the restaurant is open. And this was going to offer just something slightly different than what are the, the other restaurants in the area were doing. Uh, so, you know, if something uh, approximating or close to, you know, what people call bar prov or something is what we were going to do. Uh, but once we got around to June 1st, and I think actually a little bit closer, June 3rd, so two days away from us opening, uh, the word came down that theaters or playhouses, as, as it was uh, uh, the official uh, announcement said, plays, playhouses were going to be allowed to open up at 50 uh, to 50%. So that gave us the green light to move forward. Now, the good thing was that we were already sort of doing thought experiments at all of this. We were already kind of thinking, what would this look like? What are we going to do when, once the phasing in is going to begin? Uh, and so uh, once he said 50%, we did the quick math and realized, well, we're allowed 50%, but we actually cannot fit 50% and remain socially distant. So with all the other precautions in mind, we were, were open at 30% capacity, which is about 30 people. And I'm proud to say that we've sold out every show. Back in Beijing, things may not have opened, but Jay's team have done so much prep in order to be ready to open their doors again. We've been working with um, a local venue and, you know, they, they told us uh, of their max capacity and... You know, that's with, you know, all the seats kind of line up closely together. And we decided to cut that, you know, by a quarter, basically. So from 80 to, to, to maybe 20 um, or, or 30 max, just so that we have enough distance between audience members um, and, and basically have, have our players also tested for, for, for everything before uh, getting up on stage because... Uh, we won't be wearing masks while performing. Um, that was discussed, but uh, it's, it's a it's a it's a bit of a damper on on everything if if you're performing with masks on. So uh, yeah, so social distancing and um, and 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 plenty of testing for actually just our four remaining players. That's that's all we have left in Beijing now. Wow! So there's just four of you. Wow. Yeah, four four guys too. So we've lost all of our our gender parity. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, and but so at least we're a diverse group. We're um, yeah, we're we're a diverse group from 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 different countries. So there's that. We have America represented, France, China, and Nigeria. So, um, yeah. So you, you have an international diversity, but but not the not the gender parity that you used to have. Exactly, exactly. Back in Florida, Will explains how they prepare to open and do live shows. You know, usually our theater has five shows running right now, but right now we're the only thing running in the theater, uh, which means that the entire thought engine of the theater and the creative engine could all tackle this problem together. And instead of sharing focus across five shows, everybody was saying like, how do we make this as safe as possible? And, and I'm going to be honest, Lloydie, I would not 
do this if I didn't feel that we were taking as many precautions as we were that made it safe for the audience and for the cast. Uh, I very much take the the, the coronavirus uh, seriously, uh, and but I also do take uh, the mental health of our residents seriously. And so trying to strike that balance between both was really important for me. So as soon as a patron walks in, uh, they are um, – when they walk in, one of the first things which we've all gotten used to now is the sort of the six foot distancing, right? For the, the social distancing markers that we've laid out in the where our audience members form the queue to get in. Uh, when they get, uh, we've also gone to ticketless shows, so there's no longer you don't need to go pick up tickets uh, before you even get in. Uh, you are required to wear a mask to get into the theater. Uh, also, we take your temperature before you get into the actual physical space. Uh, and the tables themselves, we actually don't sell individual seats. And part of that is to maximize seating capacity. Uh, if, if we sold single seats and at a six foot distance, that's a lot less profitable for us than selling two or four seats at a time. So um, we sell two or four seats uh, t- tables, and every all the tables are are at the, are at least six foot six feet away from each other. We've also reduced. Uh, we made an effort to try to reduce how much the audience interacts with the with the cast. So some of it is obvious. Obviously, there's not uh, because we we do a lot of short form. There's no more audience coming up on stage with us. Like that's a pretty pretty obvious one. Uh, but we also used to have the audience fill out slips and do other things. Uh, all of that's been cut, and instead we've gone to text, and that's how we gather a number of our suggestions for the show. We still do a little bit of interaction throughout the show, but we do gather a lot of it digitally now to kind of, to reduce the interaction. Uh, I had to actually uh, reduce the cast from six to three to make sure that we can maintain social distancing while on stage. A uh, part of our costumes, if you will, I mean, uh, we have to have a mask uh, that we wear off stage uh, and when walking uh, when walking to places. Uh, also, uh, the producer, the managing director of the theater, saw that. I, not as an actor, but just as me as a person, I walk around with a little bottle of hand sanitizer that's, it's very colorful. It's a pink flamingo sanitizer that I have around my belt loop. And she thought that was really cute. And she's like, why don't we have all the actors have that mandatory? Instead of having these uh, uh, hand sanitation stations and bottles off stage, let's make it part of the costume. So all actors have their personal hand sanitizer attached to their belt loop. uh, That's very colorful and beach themed. Uh, so we have that. Uh, we have our masks. We're social distance from each other. There's actually a very subtle grid that on stage that we use as markers to help us determine how far we are from one another uh, when we're in a scene together or when we're crossing from stage left to stage right. Uh, it's almost like a chessboard. You know, it kind of just tells you this is where I am in relation to you. And if I'm going to cross stage left, this is where you should go stay uh, to cross stage right so that we maintain social distancing. Those incredibly detailed precautions that they've taken are amazing. And let's face it, six months ago, something that we would never have imagined would have been necessary. Let's hop to Europe now and get another perspective from Amsterdam. Hey, everyone. I'm Stacey Smith. I'm a current actress at Boom Chicago and running our incredibly new training center. I run the Chicago Musical Improv Festival. I am a former uh, performer at IO in Second City. And I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I knew you'd have to sing. Boom Chicago, <laughs> of course, based despite the title in Amsterdam, um, yeah. uh, famously. How have you coped as a theatre at Boom during the whole COVID-19 situation? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, our cast is quite small. So our entire theater is only five cast members. And we live between two houses um, that have kind of been together since the, the beginning. So in terms of, and we were just in process for a new show that was uh, supposed to uh, go up in May or June, and now it's in September. Um, so I think we're, we were a little late to the game about like online classes because it was just like one of those things that uh, none of us were truly trained in or prepared for. Uh, so at the, you know, after like a month of seeing all these online classes, we created some of our own. And then we went back to classes officially, I think it's three and a half weeks ago now, uh, socially distanced in-person classes. And that has been really interesting to navigate. And we've also had uh, some shows where we've live streamed to an online audience with a small studio audience in our theater, as well as having uh, our first student showcases. Actually, they went back to like two or three weeks of classes, finished the term from the February term. And uh, we have student showcases in our giant main zall. Uh, I think Zal means theater in Dutch. I don't know. It, who knows? Um, and uh, we that was kind of like our testing ground for like what shows we're going to look and feel like. And then that was just kind of like our taster version. And then we open officially uh, this Saturday night, uh, Gung Ho. And then our schedule is Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays through September. And then September, we will reassess and then probably go back to a Wednesday through Sunday schedule. So it sounds like you never fully closed in that you were able to go in and do shows, albeit without an audience physically present in the theatre. Yeah. So for example, I, I would say like we locked down in the very beginning of March and then Matt and I, my fiance and I actually did a live stream. We did a partnership with this big, huge live stream company called We Are Live and Boom partnered with them. And we did three duo shows in the theater for, I mean, they set up a station nowhere near us. We did this online show, which was bizarre to do this super high energy short form show for our boss and his wife. Um, but, you know, we made it do. And, um, you know, it was very interactive. So we did a little bit. We just did that a three, um, three night run in April. And then we weren't back until about June. So yeah, we were dark for quite a bit there. We were rehearsing online um, or at one of our houses. So we were not going to the theater for a while. And then I guess we went back to rehearsals in person maybe like five weeks ago. So Boom Chicago in Amsterdam is going to be opening this weekend. Beijing Improv can't open just yet, but in Sarasota, Florida Studio Theatre is now doing shows. So what is a live show like at this most peculiar of times? I reflect back on uh, some of the shows that we've done after hurricanes or after other tragedies uh, where the, oh, well, the first time the audience hits the house, there's this relief, this need to, to laugh, to see other people, to smile. Uh, and I would say that the first, the first three weekends that we've done shows, the energy has come from that place. Uh, people, this joy of just uh, escaping 
you know, the constant barrage of news and negative updates that we're surrounded by at this point. Uh, just to be able to escape from a little bit before, you know, we all know we have to get back to it and we all know how important it is, but to turn your mind off of that for a couple of hours has been nice. And that has translated in just very enthusiastic, appreciative and energetic audiences. And they've been, they've been great. And what's it been like stepping back on stage for the first time? I was, I've not been that nervous in, in a while. Uh, and I, I do know the first weekend, um, uh, my brain, despite us having the Zoom rehearsals and doing the 10 to 12 hour rehearsal time to prep for this show, uh, I felt rusty. I, uh, you know, I, I was getting suggestions from the audience and I, I remember just really having trouble fully wrapping my head around certain scenes and certain games. Uh, and, uh, uh, but, but, you know, like, like all things improv after a couple of shows, uh, you know, I, I was able to shake some of the rust off. And by the second weekend, it really started to fly. And, and I'll say this, like, I, I mean, I love doing duos and trios and stuff like that. Uh, it's been a nice change of pace for us artistically to go from a full, uh, a six person group to a three person group. Uh, the three people that are doing the show uh, have connected uh, in a way that we hadn't before. And so it's been, it's been good for us. And, and, and uh, the shows are getting better every weekend. And as Boom Chicago gears up in Amsterdam for its first shows this weekend, how are they preparing? The theater is open much earlier for staggered seating so that not everyone is coming at once. And uh, there's more hand sanitizer than I've ever seen in my entire life. It's really unbelievable. And uh, there's stations for it everywhere. So everyone has to wash their hands immediately. They have to follow precautions to answer questions about their health status and uh, uh, things of that sort. And then there's these face shields that all of our bar staff and waiters wear. We have socially distanced seating. We have traffic patterns. So you're only allowed through one door and then out another. Um, You're able to be sat with friends, but if you don't live together, there is a divider. And our our tech, we have, I mean, we have this giant, beautiful, uh, large, large theater. And we have our tech that is all the way up in the rafters. We have our musician who's uh, very socially distanced off to the side of the stage from us. And then in terms of cast, I think, you know, the difference for us that's different from, I think, most places is we all live together. So we are able to all perform together without masks and without, and our, our stages, you know, I would say three feet up in the air and the, there's a barrier before the audience starts. So we're not close to the audience. We have an entire backstage area and stuff. So, um, it is, uh, yeah, it is very strange the, to see people like, cause we've, like I said, we've done these student showcases to see how far apart people are in the audience, because, you know, audiences usually are, you know, so close together and spreading the laughter. And it is such a different beast when they're so far apart. So I think there'll be a little bit of a learning curve in terms of that. We did a show outside last weekend on this giant boardwalk, um, and everyone was so, so spread out. It was just like the widest audience I've ever performed for. Um, so those are, yeah, those are some, I'm trying to think. I want to make sure that I say all of the things. I know that it's very, it's safe in so safe that I'm like, oh my goodness, 
this is so different than everything I've ever known. I was talking to Will Luera about yeah. how they've been doing it at Florida Studio Theatre because they just opened a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and it strikes me that you've got a slightly different situation with your onstage cast because yeah. their onstage cast aren't all living together. Therefore, they, they've they got a grid basically on stage so that mm-hmm. they all stay socially distanced from one another, whereas I guess you guys can interact in the same yeah. way as you would do back pre-COVID. Yeah, we do have that benefit of being able to kind of and, and we have to make sure we say it. That's also a thing that it, it feels like a weird announcement to be like, don't worry, we live together. But like, we have to say that so people know that we're taking it seriously. Uh, because we are like, we, we don't want to get COVID. You know what I mean? I don't know anyone that does, first of all. But, mm. um, you know, we, we want to do the thing we love, but we want to make sure that everyone is completely o- aware and safe. Stacy, how excited are you for the weekend? Oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm really <laughs> going to die. Cause it's like 4th of July weekend. It's like truly independence day. <laughs> so I am very, very excited to play with four of my favorite, favorite human beings and to see what kind of, uh, you know, response we get. It's very exciting. It's very exciting to uh, be able to have the space and the ability to experiment because I'm just thrilled to see what we're going to make of it. Next time on the Improv Chronicle podcast. As the world struggles during a pandemic, does being part of an improv community give you a head start on connection with other people? And is there a difference to the sort of friendships we make through improv? The Improv Chronicle podcast is produced and hosted by me, Lloydie James Lloyd. You can help the podcast right now. Please subscribe and rate us in your favourite podcast app. And if you've got an idea for a future episode, get to improvchronicle.com. Improv Chronicle.